made all its payments on time. Now the bank was pulling the line of credit and calling the mortgage. The president, tears glistening in his eyes, said the bank would state only that it needed to rebuild its own capital and reduce its outstanding risk. There would be no appeal. The venture capitalists who had invested early in the company, he added, had declined to put up any more money, and they could find no one interested in buying the company whole. Instead, the founder said, he was trying to sell some of the existing product lines to other companies. There is, for instance, a French company that's interested in our factory control software, he said, and while they aren't willing to pay much, they're the only ones offering anything at all at this point. Maybe, he added, the buyer would keep some of the staff on for a short time, but he wasn't hopeful. In any case, everyone would be paid, he promised, through the end of the week. Betsy was stunned. She knew how much the company's orders and sales had increased, but still it was shutting down. It didn't make sense to her, and paid only through the end of the week. She had returned to work because she and Tom needed the income from this job. Tuesday. At 8.30, as Betsy was washing the breakfast dishes, her eyes still red from crying the night before, Sarah telephoned. "'Did you hear the news, Mom?' she asked. Betsy said she had not. The morning paper lay unopened on the counter." They're closing the university a month early. I'll be home in two weeks. Sarah paused, but Betsy said nothing. And they said they don't know if they'll open it again in the fall because of the state's borrowing problem. Mom, I don't understand. At 1 p.m., just after Tom Roth had finished eating the sandwich, apple, and candy bar that Betsy had packed in his lunchbox, his supervisor approached him. Tom, he said, can you come into the foreman's office? Tom was in the middle of reprogramming the computer-controlled lathe he operated, and he asked if it could wait until he was finished and the machine was back in operation. No, you should come now, the supervisor said. Tom, Betsy just called. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but there's been an accident involving your son, the foreman began as soon as Tom had shut the door. Paul is in the hospital. Betsy said he's probably going to be all right. The other boy in the car, though, he's dead, drowned. The Webster Avenue Bridge collapsed. You know, the one they tried to pass the bond issue for so they could replace it? Three cars went into the river. It was no one's fault. You'd better go. Tom got his jacket and left. The radio was on in Tom's car, but he was barely listening as he drove rapidly toward the hospital. And despite heavy lobbying by groups representing the elderly, the announcer was saying, House and Senate conferees agreed today to cut Social Security benefits and to move the age for collecting retirement benefits to 75. A White House spokesman said the administration felt that Congress had overreacted to the current budget crunch. The president, according to the spokesman, said that the cuts would be only temporary. We will move to restore benefits to the level that retired American workers deserve, the spokesman said, just as soon as our current fiscal problem, which was largely created by Congress, is resolved. Reacting to news of the cuts, Wall Street investors accelerated their selling. At 1 p.m., the Dow Jones Industrial Average stood at 2,127, down 87 points for the day, 125 points for the week so far, and more than 1,500 points off its high for the year. Some analysts say that the market's bottom isn't yet in sight, but a spokesman for Treasury Secretary Tom parked in the emergency room visitor's lot and hurried inside. Wednesday. Betsy had stayed at the hospital overnight with Paul, who, except for a slight concussion, seemed to be all in one piece. A battery of tests showed no serious damage. The doctor said they might release him today. 
Without Betsy to prepare his usual breakfast, though, Tom left the house early so he could stop by the diner for hash browns and eggs. Tom opened the paper as the waitress poured his coffee and glanced at the front page. Enough, say trade partners, read the headline. Tom skimmed the story that followed. Japanese and European central bankers, the story began, yesterday jointly declared that they would no longer act to support the U.S. dollar in international currency markets. Following the announcement, a widespread sell-off of the dollar drove its value lower on every major market. If the U.S. government can't or won't act responsibly on the issue of its pyramiding debt, the joint communique read, other nations of the world can no longer be expected to carry the burden of it. Screw him, thought Tom, as he turned to the sports pages to look for yesterday's ball scores. As far as he was concerned, if the Japanese and Europeans didn't like the way the United States did its business, they could stop doing business here. Besides, he remembered when Americans were better off before they began importing cars and VCRs. His first car, best wheels I ever owned, Tom often said.